Well, good morning. Uh, welcome to our service uh, at Lord's Love Church. Uh, if you have your Bibles, uh, please flip it open to Proverbs chapter 3. That's where we're going to be camping at uh, today as we start a new series called uh, Ready for Resurrection as we count down to Easter weekend, which is happening uh, not too far away, about six, seven weeks or so now. So we, as a church, uh, we celebrate every single day uh, towards the life that God has uh, given us. So every single week, we're going to tackle a topic uh, that's going to draw us closer or something also known in our church calendar, a church tradition called Ash uh, Wednesday. Uh, Lent means to fast. So, so for 40 days, uh, starting this Wednesday, uh, you fast. Uh, you give up something that has some meaning to you, uh, something that maybe you've been wanting to give up and that's been distracting you from, from God. Uh, it's 40 days, not counting Sundays. Uh, so Sunday's a freebie. Uh, for you. And often uh, people in the past have uh, fasted from coffee, sugar, uh, maybe certain foods from time of day, uh, your, from your phone, uh, whatever it is uh, that God would have uh, on your heart. Uh, social media is a popular one. Uh, but just to get your mind ready for, for Lent, for this season, Mark chapter 1, verse 3, uh, we read this uh, from, uh, from, from, from John the Baptist, a voice of one calling in the wilderness. He says this, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. And what does it mean to make straight paths? I, I believe that's what the Lenten season is about. It's about removing any distractions so that there's a clear path between you and God. Uh, that you hear from him every day, that you experience the presence of God in those moments where you think about your phone, you think about that food, think about sugar or coffee, whatever it is. Uh, that you would make straight paths for God, for him to come closer to you and for you to experience, experience him a little bit more. But also, I'm going to challenge our church a little bit deeper this uh, next 40 days or so. That uh, You might have heard this said, if you're Christian, you've been part of the church for any amount of time, you would have heard that there's a difference between the sin of commission, so committing a sin, and a sin of omission, so not doing what is correct, not doing what is right. And I want to challenge you during this Lenten season to... Uh, to, to push back and to push into the, world, uh, into the world and to do what God has called you to do. Uh, at Life Group yesterday, uh, one of our group members said that during Lent, they kind of do a reverse Lent, uh, which is a fascinating idea, which is what I'm talking about here, that instead of withdrawing from something, you actually go out and positively engage in something as well. So maybe during those times, you're actively blessing people around you, being generous uh, with your time and your resources, that you're looking for opportunities uh, to serve God. So this Lent season and this whole series, uh, we're going to focus uh, not only on giving up something, but about gaining, uh, about gaining and, and blessing. And we're going to explore just how much good we can do when uh, we refuse as a church to sit back and uh, maybe relax, but engage with our uh, time uh, in our culture. So to help you uh, on our Facebook, we're going to partner up with uh, 40 Acts, which is an organization out in the UK where every day there's a challenge for you. Uh, some of them might be like, hey, talk to a stranger on the bus today and just say hi. Uh, something simple like that, that engages your faith, that allows you to, uh, to live out the faith that you proclaim. And also for those with kids and families, uh, there's some handouts in the back where every day is a family-friendly edition of it, where every day you want a resource table, but also in uh, our kids' ministry if your kids uh, are there. So, that, enough of that. Okay. Uh, in the next uh, seven weeks, uh, we're going to focus on the book of Proverbs. Uh, we're going to dig deep uh, into this book. And naturally, when we talk about Proverbs, we are talking about wisdom uh, because it's one of the wisdom literature. It's known as one of the five books, known as uh, the wisdom literature. And uh, the other four being Job, Song, Psalms, uh, Song of Psalms, and Ecclesiastes. And King of Solomon uh, wrote 
Ecclesiastes uh, and also today's book that we're studying, Proverbs. And he's also known as the wisest man on earth. I'm not sure if that's self-proclaimed or not. But he's also known in, in, uh, in history as the wisest man. The one that has experienced all things but also has known all things. Not because of who he is but because of his relationship with God and what God has, has taught him. Uh, so as we trek towards the cross, I, I want to talk to you about wisdom this morning starting with wisdom. Uh, in the following weeks, we're going to unpack what that means uh, about this topic and how wise people uh, live and how wise people engage their faith uh, in this uh, world. Uh, so I hope you have it ready. Uh, today we're talking about uh, wisdom, uh, getting ourselves ready for wisdom from Proverbs 3, uh, 13 to 27. Uh, you have your Bible flipped open. That's where I'm going to read from. If Avi can help me click along, that would be great. Uh, Chapter 3, verse 13. Blessed are those who find wisdom, those who gain understanding. For she is more profitable than silver and yields better returns than gold. She is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand. In her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are pleasant, or her ways are pleasant ways, and and, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her. Those who Hold her fast, will be blessed. By wisdom, the Lord laid the earth's foundations. By understanding, he set the heavens in place. By his knowledge, the watery depths were divided, and the clouds let drop the dew. My son, do not let wisdom and understanding out of your sight. Preserve sound judgment and discretion. There will be life for you, an ornament to grace your neck. Then you will go on your way in safety, and your foot will not stumble. When you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Have no fear of sudden disaster or the ruin that overtakes the wicked. For the Lord will be at your side and will keep your foot from being snared. Verse 27, do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to act. Let's pray together. Father, this morning as a church, as a congregation, as your people, Father, uh, we come before your word and we submit to your word this morning knowing that your word contains a gold and truth and goodness for our lives. So God, no matter the weeks we've had, no matter the places we've come from, give us an understanding like no other. You give us a godly wisdom to understand your truths this morning. And may we in turn live it out as well and experience the good life that you've called us to. Uh, speak through me this morning. Maybe words of grace and truth and goodness uh, that flow from this vessel uh, this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, that was a lot. Uh, whenever I read Proverbs, it's best to read it slowly, which I read pretty quickly <laughs> at that moment. But we're going to take some weeks to really meditate and chew on uh, the richness and the depth of God's word here. The question I have for you is, why is wisdom important? Why is it important to possess wisdom? Why should we want wisdom? Why? What difference does it make? Uh, what does this have to do with us getting ready for Easter exactly? Uh, You're like, well, Doug, it's great you talk about wisdom, but Easter, I thought this is Lent. Like, what does this have to do with it? And church, honestly, as I was studying the word and as I was given uh, and wrestling with this topic, I really just want everyone to experience the resurrection power of Easter. That Easter isn't just for Easter weekend. You know that. That the truths that we proclaim on Easter weekend isn't meant just to be contained uh, during those, that four-day long weekend. But it's for the everyday that we're meant to experience and to know the power of the resurrection. That no matter how life is going, 
we can experience the good life now. We can experience this new life now in the way that God has defined it, not in a, in a, in a superficial, uh, prosperity, kind of materialistic way of understanding God's blessing, but a deep way of understanding God's blessing. Uh, a real way in your everyday life, through your pain, through your suffering, through the real questions that you have, uh, that in those moments, God has good wisdom for us in the way that we live it out. Now, who here doesn't want to make good decisions, right? Like, who here would say, I don't want to be wise, right? Like, no one's going to put up their hand, and if you do, don't uh, put up your hand. That would not be a wise choice. So, in that sense, like, no, we all want to make wise decisions. We want to make a difference. We want to be wise uh, and, be, and live the life, the good life that God has uh, called me to. And the more that I've lived, and I'm not that old, but the more years that I've lived, I've realized just how unwise I've been. I look back and I thought I made some wise decisions or I said some very wise things. And I, I look back or I listen back to my old sermons and I cringe. I'm like, man, I'm thankful for my church. That's so gracious to me. <laughs> I'm thankful for the way. And, the, and people come up and say, well, God spoke powerfully through you. I'm like, that's all God? Because I'm listening to that. And I'm like, I don't know. Uh, that sure sounded uh, not that wise to me. Man, I was a fool. But that's how it works as we grow in our faith that we realize just how unwise we are. That's just how much we need God's wisdom. And our world can surely use a lot of wisdom right now, a lot of godly wisdom. How to be wise as a church and as a people considering the coronavirus, how to be wise considering our political landscape, how to be wise in our work, in our school, in our friendship circles, and in our relationships, in our marriages, how to be wise with our time and energy when we're in a culture and time of burnout. But who am I to talk to you about wisdom? That's the question I have going on in the back of my mind. You know, who am I uh, as a person today to talk to you about, about, about wisdom? Uh, we often associate wisdom with what? With age and maturity, right? Isn't that how our culture works? That you are wise if you reach a certain age. You are wise if you reach a I'm with you guys. I understand that. Uh, when you're looking for a mentor for your life, no one's going into Cohen's kindergarten class, right? And you go into kindergarten class, well, I'm looking for a mentor here. Which five-year-old would like to mentor me, right? You, you don't, I, I get that. Like you, you, in, our, in our culture and society, we associate wisdom with, with uh, age and maturity. But I've also heard some of the wisest things said from Cohen that, that God has spoken uh, to me through, uh, through him. And I also get it too in our church. Uh, often uh, people will take a look at me. It's like, uh, whether it's in the church or outside, like, hey, you're a, what? Like, you're a pastor? Like, I'm like, wow, thank you. Like, you know, yeah, God has a funny humor. You know, that's how I usually respond to that. It's like, you're a pastor. Or, man, you're so young. In other words, I kind of flip it around. Like, you mean because I look young, you were surprised that God spoke through me. That's what you really said. Or that God actually has power to use someone as young as I do to say something truthful about him. I'm like, that's all God. That's not anything to do with me. Because the truth is, God gives wisdom freely uh, to all who desire him, not discriminating age or gender or where you work, where you live, how much money you have in the bank. God doesn't discriminate. That if you desire and seek the godly wisdom he has for you, God willingly dispenses to those that seek him and want him. But here, there's a caveat that with this wisdom, this wisdom isn't a, a magic box that you just open 
or a door that you knock on, you open, or a genie bottle that you rub and you, know, you get all the wisdom in the world. Uh, no, it doesn't work uh, in that way. Uh, any, any one of you like uh, fortune cookies? Um, yeah, you know, surprisingly, they're really delicious, a guilty pleasure of mine. Uh, but as a kid, I would open them, kind of hoping, I know it's not true, you know, I, ho- I know it's hokey, uh, but you open it, you kind of hope, like, well, say something nice, right? You know, you hope that <laughs> it'll say some sort of blessing for you, and some things like, well, you know, in two days, you will meet you know, the love of your life, you know, like that kind of thing, like, and in two days, you're kind of looking around, or uh, you will get all the wisdom in the world, and you will ace your test, something like that. Uh, you, you hope to get it. And sometimes, when we, with that kind of uh, understanding, we come into the church, we come into our relationship with Jesus, kind of hoping that way, that when we come on the Sunday, it's kind of like, hey, God, I'm here. I'm waiting for my fortune cookie. Uh, I'm waiting for that nugget that you're going to give me. I'm waiting for that truth that's just going to speak into my life. But the truth is, God speaks through all of life, in the everyday moment, not just on Sunday service, but in every moment when you're seeking him. And as I was sharing about Easter, Easter is, a, is an event that doesn't only affect Easter weekend, but affects every day. That affects the moment right now. But we forget that Jesus did on the cross actually is enough for the everyday. Uh, we forget that what Jesus did on that cross is actually meant for us today in your problems, in your issues, in the questions that you have. So here's the thing. If, if we try to understand wisdom and attaining it, if we're in, to understand church not as fortune cookie or rubbing a genie uh, or just flipping the Bible open and randomly reading from it, hoping God would speak to us, how are we to understand wisdom? How are we to understand how God speaks to us? In church this morning, I want to suggest to you that wisdom, that godly wisdom, is a path. Uh, it's a journey that we're meant to be on every single day, that as we go, we, 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 possess, and we possess and we gain a little bit more wisdom than we did yesterday. That here's the big idea. Godly wisdom is the path to the good life. We often think that if I accept Christ, that everything's going to be good right now, this moment. But as we understand godly wisdom, it's a path, as we read here in Proverbs. It's the everyday and the, and the nitty-gritty things and the, the, and the, from the moment you wake up to when you sleep and everything in between, the decisions that you make, all those are affecting your wisdom. The decisions that you make, the way that you're gaining wisdom. It's a path that we walk on. One step at a time, every single day, where every decision impacts that. And the first step towards resurrection, towards understanding this life that God has given you, is understanding this. That God has the ability to speak to you in the everyday. And unfortunately, in, in our life, in our, in, our, in our time, there's the good path and there's the bad path. There's a road that leads to life and a road that leads to destruction, as it says in Matthew 7. So if you're not wise and you just think that life is about a path and you're walking and not a wrong path, just maybe if you're not understanding godly wisdom and how God has called you to walk, that you might just be trekking on the wrong path, making decisions in the wrong direction. But we see here in, in, in Proverbs, beginning of this chapter, Solomon says this, My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart. For they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. Why in your heart? Because it's with you everywhere you go. You carry your heart no matter where it is that you're walking to. That don't forget my teaching and keep it in your heart. That wisdom is a path. That the, that the life that God has given you is a journey. It's a, 
uh, is a a journey made of different steps and decisions along the way. And keep these commandments with you. And it will be good for you. It will give you peace and give you prosperity. You prosper in the Lord. That you understand the faith. You understand what it means to have godly joy. And what it means to have a godly life. And then the famous passage that many of you have read before. Uh, chapter 3, verse 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. And in, in all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. You know, anyone have this hung up on your house? Uh, that's a, what a key mark, uh, a Bible passage that we have. But we see here that we're meant to trust again with our heart. We're going to carry this trust and this attitude that God speaks to us in the everyday with us. And in all your ways, submit to him. And he make your paths what? Straight. It's a path. Our Christian life is a path. Godly wisdom is a path to the good life that you want to be on, that you want to be understanding of whether that's the path that you are walking in. And in today's passage, you see this, Proverbs 3.13, blessed are those who find wisdom, those who gain understanding. That you are blessed if you find this wisdom, that you enjoy this good life, you enjoy the life that God has given you. This word for blessed can also be translated as happy, but not in a superficial kind of happy, but in a deep, joyous kind of happy, happiness in the Lord, that you are overjoyed or you're experiencing joy and happiness for those who find this wisdom, for those that gain this understanding. In other words, this wisdom, it doesn't just come to you. It's not like I just sit there and I open this fortune cookie and hopefully everything is fine and dandy. No, we need to find it. Like God is saying, come and search me. I'm not that hard to find, but come and search for me. You need to desire it. You need to want it. You need to want this relationship with me. But the question I have here is that if I do find this wisdom, this godly wisdom, why am I blessed? No promise here in, in the book, book of, of Proverbs. And I have three suggestions uh, for us, uh, three points today. That, uh, then the first point is this, that godly wisdom is profitable. It's a profitable path. Proverbs 3, uh, 14, for she is more profitable than silver. Lady Wisdom, uh, profitable than silver and yields better returns uh, than gold. In other words, when you have godly wisdom, when you have godly wisdom, it yields better fruit than worldly wisdom. That when you follow in the worldly path, maybe just butting heads time and time again, not experience the fruit and the joy and the goodness and the peace that God has said he would give you if you're on his path, that maybe that's what you're experiencing if you're on the worldly wisdom path. But on the godly wisdom, it is profitable. You'll see these fruits. It reminds me in Matthew 16, 26, what good would it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? What good is it for someone to gain the whole world but you forfeit your soul? You're not experiencing this profit that, 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 that God promises us. This abundance of his grace, of his mercy, of his goodness, of his peace, if you're not on the godly wisdom path. And that might be a first characteristic, a first sign for us. Like, hey, are our lives profitable? I'm not talking about money and resources. That's not what this is talking about. It's an economy of God, of of the fruits of the spirit, of of, of the life that he be you as a leader, or if you're involved in in people's lives. Uh, I I get people coming up to me when they're in the very last step of, of, uh, of a trial, of, of some a certain chaos uh, in their lives. Like it's a do or die kind of situation. That's when I get people coming up to me. But the question I have is like, well, what about the steps coming up to that point? 
What about all the steps that you took coming up all to this point where it seemed like there's, there is no return? When people come up to me, it's like, hey, I made a mistake with my boyfriend or with my, boyf- uh, with my girlfriend. Uh, or they're devastated by not getting to the program that they thought they would get into. But what about the preparation work going ahead of that? Is that what God has promised you anyways? Or maybe my marriage is falling apart. What should I do? Marriages don't fall apart overnight. Or my kid isn't coming to church. I get these questions time and time and time again, but we, we get it at the very end of the path that the certain decisions that we made led to instead of, hey, if we understand that our lives is the path and it's meant to be a profitable path that we're meant to discern every single day in decisions that we make, then maybe, just maybe, we would see where God is speaking into our lives, into certain truths, into the decisions that we're making. Now, I'm not blaming you. I'm not causing shame upon our lives because things happen upon our lives. But what I am saying here is that if the godly path, if your godly wisdom is a profitable path, then we have to understand, are we experiencing this profit that, that God is saying that we will? Because truth is this. We have to ask ourselves this question. Are your decisions and your actions causing you to experience this blessing that God is saying he will experience? Uh, I don't have it all up there on the screen, but we see this, that, that there is blessing and it is profitable to live wisely in God. The truth is, we need to ask ourselves this question. Are, you, are your decisions, again, and your actions causing you to be more rooted or less rooted in Christ? No, more rooted or less rooted. In verse 18, we read this, that she, wisdom, is a tree of life to those who take hold of it, uh, to take hold of her. Those who hold her fast will be blessed. That, don't miss that because last time we kind of read that whenever we read about the tree of life, we got to pay attention. But the tree of life is the tree in the garden. We're meant to experience this life and this goodness in this community, uh, this communion with, with God. That there's a blessing and it's profitable to live wisely. The question we need to ask is, is your life rooted? Is it rooted in God or are we chasing around or we feel like we're flapping around in the wind and being blown about in the waves? Also, are your decisions every single day, decisions, your actions, causing you to be more secure or is it causing you to stumble? Verse 23, then you will go on your way in safety and your foot will not stumble. That's the promises of godly wisdom, that you will not stumble, that you will find safety. Are the decisions you're making causing you to stumble, causing you to be shaky? Another question we need to ask, are your decisions and actions causing more fear and doubt? Verses 24, uh, all the way to 26, when you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Have no fear of sudden disaster or of the ruin that overtakes the wicked, for the Lord will be at your side and will keep your foot from being snared. In other words, for those that are on the profitable path, I'm not sure this is true entirely, you'll get a little bit more sleep. That's kind of way of understanding that. I'm definitely not getting as much sleep with the kids these days. Uh, maybe I need to reanalyze uh, certain decisions. Uh, not making, I'm not regretting the kids. Uh, but I'm saying that here, God is saying when you lie down, even though there's certain troubles in your life, you honestly will just trust in God. That you'll be able to sleep. That you handed your troubles and your worries over to God. So much so that you'll be able to sleep. Your sleep will just be that much sweeter at, 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 at night. That you have no fear of sudden disaster. You don't just wake up in words' hands. Like that is the profitable path. That is the path that you are walking on. Secondly, we 
See this, that the godly wisdom is a precious path. Proverbs 3.15, she is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. That when you're on the godly path, you understand that you're on this precious path and you won't on this path no matter what because of what awaits you. There's a, a Latin uh, aphorism uh, that goes, scientia potentia esta. Sounds like a spell. Uh, which, when translated, means this. You would have heard it. Knowledge is power. The knowledge is power. That, that's the culture that we live in. That if you have knowledge, that is the power that you have. But Scripture flips that around. Scripture turns that around. And it says it's not just any kind of knowledge. It's really about wisdom. And if you have this godly wisdom, you understand that it is precious, that that is power. That is the precious uh, life that we're meant to live. Because there's a difference between having wisdom and having knowledge. There's a difference between the two. I hope you realize that. That knowledge is having the facts. And having the facts is great, but knowing what to do with them is even better. You can have all the knowledge you want, all the facts in the world you want. But knowing how to apply them in a godly way, that's a whole different kind of thing. That's wisdom, right? There. Wisdom is the ability to achieve the best ends with the facts that you have. Wisdom is the ability to make good decisions based on the knowledge eyes are capable of choosing wrongly simply because they don't have all the facts. They thought they had all the facts. They thought they had knowledge, but they don't have the final piece, which really is God. Because God truly, ultimately, has all the facts. He knows everything. God is the most wise person there is. God is perfect wisdom. God is perfection. God is not bound by time. He knows how all things end. He knows the best path towards those ends as well. So as human beings, we are able to choose wisely. God gives us these decisions, uh, and we are able to use the facts that we have around us to make the best decisions possible and to take the best course possible. But if we live a life just understanding knowledge is power, just accumulate knowledge and knowledge and knowledge and not applying them in a godly way or understanding what God calls us, how God calls us to live them out, that's what the Bible calls foolishness. That you're just running around, around and around, just thinking you're doing the best that you can, but it's not actually achieving any ends. That's the path of destruction. But when you have godly wisdom, it's precious because it guides us. It allows us to make godly and wise decisions. So when you have this preciousness, you understand your godly wisdom is the precious path and it leads to the good life. You're not going to abandon it. You might understand that the wisest decision might not be to take that job or that promotion because it's cutting into your family time. And you need to spend time with your family. You're already struggling with that. The wisest decision is maybe in that moment not to take that promotion. When the whole world says, the world will say, take that promotion no matter what. The wisest decision, the, the decision that leads to life, might not be to take that promotion because for the sake of your family. The wisest decision might be to stop searching for newer and exciting experiences, but to appreciate the moment here, to be planted, to be deep, and to invest in the relationships around you. The wisest decision might not be to apply for that prestigious school across the country or to leave for another city when the community that you need is right here in Vancouver and you need to stay planted here. Maybe that's the wise decision that you need to make. And God's saying that's what you need to make because the other one's going to lead you down to destruction and to your own ruin. The wisest decision might not be to keep secrets or your life personal when you need to share with someone 
so that they can pray over you. The world says, don't show your junk. Don't show all the messiness of your life. Don't show the brokenness. But that might not be the wisest decision, that you need the people around you. The wisest decision might not be to depend on how you're feeling or thinking these. That you need to check your feelings and your thinking and check it with people around you. Be like, hey, is this godly? Is this what God is calling me towards? The wisest decision for some of you might be for you to hold off on that relationship because you're not ready for it. Or maybe on the flip side, it's actually for you to commit to it down. Maybe that is the wisest decision. You see, knowledge doesn't help us with any of that. But wisdom does in terms of how to apply that knowledge, how to apply the complexities of our lives and the very real decisions that you have to make every single day, that we shouldn't be seeking what the world is saying, but God, what are you saying to this? And when you experience that, when you get a taste of that, you understand that it's precious, it's more precious than rubies. And no other desire, nothing else can compare with that knowing that you are exactly where God says you should be. Thirdly, next slide, godly wisdom is a pleasant and peaceful path. We see this in verse 17. Her ways are pleasant ways, and all her paths are peace. In other words, there's nothing like knowing you are where you're supposed to be that you're on the path and God is affirming it and calling you and, and encouraging you along the way. No, even though when everyone else says that's not the path you should be taking, when the world says that doesn't make any sense, when God says this is where you're supposed to be, you understand how that is pleasant and that's peaceful and that's how God is drawing you close. As I'm thinking back to my life, there's times when there are there are decisions that make a biblical sense, but maybe in the ways of the world, uh, in the ways of some of my friends and my family that don't know Jesus, it just doesn't make practical sense. It doesn't get any more practical than, than financial, right? Uh, I remember making a decision towards going to ministry, and one of my family members uh, asked me, is there any money in that? I'm like, well, maybe. <laughs> um, God, I believe God will provide for me. But my family member that doesn't yet know Jesus, I don't blame him for that. That was the first question. And it's very family-like, very Asian, actually. You know, is there any money in that? Are you going to make any money uh, in that? Is that going to provide for you? Well, that's worldly wisdom right there. If it doesn't provide for you financially in the way that the world defines financially stable, then don't pursue that. But God transcends all of that. Our questions shouldn't be coming from a worldly sense, but from a biblical sense. And there are times when it doesn't, make, it doesn't make sense uh, in the world or maybe to your financial advisor, but to God, it makes a whole lot of sense. In the biblical world, it makes a whole lot of sense. Maybe it doesn't make sense to give when you don't receive a tax receipt, but that's not what giving is about. In a moment, you see a need and you're like, I'm going to give. I'm going to provide for that brother and sister. I'm going to provide into that ministry, not because for whatever gains I could get, but because of what God is calling me towards. It doesn't make sense to give up my vacation or a couple thousand dollars to go on a missions trip or to give up a long weekend to spend time with the church family or to, 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 to invest in the people around me. It doesn't make economic sense nor, nor, nor time sense, resources sense, but that's what God does. And, but when you're on it, it's a peaceful and pleasant place that you experience like no other. It's a place that only you know when you are walking in it. Later in Proverbs 3, 27, 
The passage I ended with here says this, do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to act. In other words, when you know what is the good thing to do, when God is calling you towards, the best place, the best thing for you to do is to be in his path. That is the pleasant and the peaceful place. That is the place that God is calling you towards. When God is giving you that power to act, to help, to give, to encourage, to bring people into community, when he is giving you that power and that wisdom, that's wisdom right there, you need to be. And that is what, God, what, that's, that is what you need to do. And I, I, I love this quote uh, from, from Jen Wilkin in, in her book, In His Image. She says this, when the Bible separates godly wisdom and worldly wisdom, it's not separating a higher form of wisdom from a lesser one. So it's not that there's godly wisdom and then there's worldly wisdom. It's there's godly wisdom and then there's worldly wisdom. And path uh, uh, of suffering and chaos. That even if you go into this path that God has called you to, you might experience pain and suffering, but that's exactly the place that God has called you to be. And he gives you wisdom to discern that. So the question I really want to end with here is, why is godly wisdom pleasant and peaceful? What's the difference between worldly wisdom and godly wisdom? Like, how do you know if you're on which path? Ultimately, we got to do some soul searching here and some honest questions here. You might be asking, I haven't experienced the good life that God has promised. We have to ask ourselves why. And maybe the first step towards resurrection as we journey towards the cross is taking this first step towards godly wisdom today. Worldly wisdom self-promotes, but godly wisdom elevates others. This is also taken from Jen Wilkin in her book. Uh, Worldly wisdom self-promotes, but godly wisdom elevates others. Worldly wisdom seeks the highest place, but godly wisdom seeks the lowest place. Worldly wisdom avoids reading the word, but godly wisdom submits to the word and realizes how much you need the word. Worldly wisdom trusts in earthly possessions, but godly wisdom trusts in treasures in heaven. Worldly wisdom boasts, but godly wisdom is slow to speak. Worldly wisdom says trials will crush you, but godly wisdom says trials will mature you. Worldly wisdom says temptation is no big deal. Godly wisdom says temptation indulged leads to death. Worldly worldly wisdom says seeing is believing, but godly wisdom says blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Worldly wisdom yields might, but godly wisdom works in meekness. So how do you know if you have godly wisdom or worldly wisdom? That was a list to help us to understand that. But ultimately, it comes down to this. In Proverbs 9.10, says this, The fear of the Lord, you know this, is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. The first step towards resurrection, the first step towards the cross, the first step towards this good life and understanding what godly wisdom is, is to fear the Lord, not in a I'm so afraid of him kind of understanding, but a deep reverence, a deep respect for God, that, that this holy God that we come before does not need to reveal any of this to us, does not need to let us into the mind of Christ, but he does out of his generosity, out of his goodness, out of his love and concern for us, that God will give you a glimpse into eternity, into a glimpse of the mind of the creator. So as I end here, if you're looking for some application points, whether it's in your parenting, whether it's in your marriage, whether it's in direction of life, whether I should take this job or not, whether I should go into this career, whether I should apply for this school, 
whether I should talk to this person, whatever context it is, God allows us to make these decisions, gives us wisdom in the everyday. That there is no small decision that's too small for God. That he is in those moments. And I could say things like read the word, and we should. Like it says in Psalm 19.7, the law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy and making wise the simple. I could say just read the word. But you know that already. I could also say pray. Because our, our lives and our communion with God depends on it. Depends on communion and on our, on our speaking and listening to God. I could say that. I could say surround yourselves with wise and godly people. But you know that already. It's with your desires. That today you would desire wisdom. That you actually want this. You've got to ask yourself this question this morning. Do I actually want this? Do I want to live this good life? Do I want wisdom? Or do I want to keep living in the ways of the world? Which may feel a lot better at this moment. Which may seem like the wise decision at this moment that really isn't. But do you actually desire this wisdom? And the thing is, at this moment, if you don't, it doesn't stop there because God gives us chances again to seek him, to understand him. And God gives us and renews hearts. He regenerates our hearts so that we can want him and want this life that he promises. A second suggestion for you, and maybe this isn't even an action, it starts with the heart again, is for you to think about death actually quite often. Sounds very morbid. But for you to think about death, Psalm 90, verse 12, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. If you think about how, how finite our lives are, if you ponder about that, it will stop us and realize this, the decisions that we make. Are they really for the sake of eternity or are they really just for the flesh and for the moment that really give us no pleasure at all and forever? That when we think of eternity and we think of death, that one day one of all of us aren't going to be here anymore, that puts us back into our place so that we won't waste time, so that we'll make wise decisions, so that we'll make the most out of the lives that God has called us to do. And thirdly and lastly, an action for you this week, which builds our godly wisdom, is to give and to be partake in acts of generosity. That in those moments of being generous, as it says in Proverbs 3.27 again, I'll read it again, do not withhold good from those whom it is due when it is in your power to act. When we do that, we're making wise decisions because it is making decisions that's beyond ourselves. It's removing ourselves from thinking about just that one moment. It's thinking about me, myself, and I. And going into the mind of Christ, into the mind of God, into the, in the, in the mind and the comfort the Holy Spirit brings to the people around us. That when we're generous, that we get to understand how God works. And we get to participate in his work. So whether it's being generous in your time and saying hi to your coworker this week, or being generous with your time, with your kids, and sitting there, and, having that, and going through with the activities. Or maybe generosity with, uh, with your resources, like your finances. Whatever it is, being generous is being wise, because that is the heart of God. I'm going to leave you with this, that I hope at the end of all of this, it's not just about a bunch of good sayings. It's not, that's not what Proverbs is about. It's not about, wow, I feel a lot wiser coming out of, out of this service. No, it's about us not uh, coming out of this wiser, but coming to Jesus. That when we understand this, you might have noticed that in this passage, that it's wisdom personified. It, like, wisdom is a person here. That we understand wisdom is a person that can be found, that wisdom is a person that we are to seek. We see in, in Matthew, Jesus say, come to me, all 
who are weary and burdened, I'll give you rest. In John 14, 6, Jesus says this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He is the path that you have been looking to. So I'm not talking about wisdom this morning to say it's something good we should do and we should pat ourselves on the back and I'll pat you in the bum and send you out in the world and go do good. No, that's not what this is about. It's about you drawing closer to Jesus so that you can experience that good life so that we don't need to have those, this, those conversations at the very end when your life feels like it's breaking apart. Because here's the thing, your life may still be breaking apart, but those who have God, those who understand Jesus, see it's building into the life that God has called them to. It draws them deeper into maturity, into this faith that, that God is giving them. So I'm hoping this morning that you would experience Jesus in a new and fresh way, that on this path of wisdom, that you would make wise decisions, that you have the ability to do this. Godly wisdom is the path that leads to the good life. Let's pray. Father, this morning, we thank you, God, that you don't leave us to our own ways. That maybe we've made foolish decisions in the past. We've made decisions that don't please you, that we're still maybe living in right now. God, I pray that you, in the power of your name, remove any shame, remove any doubt, remove any pain, God, and fill us instead with your presence. That, God, we would walk in your path, the path that is good, a path that is true. And for those of us, God, that are on the verge, maybe crossroads of making big decisions of our lives, God, I pray that we will seek you instead and put down the ways of the world, that we will seek you and your ways and what you will call us to do. They put away any fear, they put away any doubt, put away any temptations in our lives, God, but we'll hold firmly to you and be so encouraged, God, that this is where you need me to be. This is where you've called me to be. And because of that, Jesus, I will trust in you and I will walk and I will find new meaning and new life in you. So, Father, I pray for our church this morning. I pray for everyone here that you would reveal to us your goodness. They reveal to us your will. And may we live godly and wise lives in a way that you've called us to. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.